Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com What's up, everyone? It's 2 p.m. You're tuning into Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we're joined by J.J. McKay, the, pa- the founder and publisher of The Fresh Toast. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So, Mickey, Tom, what's happening? Hey. Uh, Mickey is getting us all sorts of attention. Hey, that's the whole point of no, it's uh, not. online. Is- it's not. This is my <laughs> livelihood, man. You got to be careful with that. You need to have be- funnels and you need to have like, because if you ask people to come, everybody will show up, man. And so if you don't give them a wicket to go through, uh, they. I got another two emails this morning. Why are you getting the emails though? I scrolled my freaking email on the bottom of that. Okay. First off, it. that is yeah. just paying attention right yeah. there. You failed right there, but uh, I understand. Yeah. Okay. But then, um, is that why you wanted them to have the login functionality on cannabislegalizationnews.com? No, well, I mean, when I figured out and sorted out the bodies, so like I still, because I'm still going through the Wu Tang virus. Um, oh, yeah, I, I've heard of that. It's uh, related to the coronavirus, except oh, yeah, it's, uh, way more hip hop. I'm just walking around telling everybody cash rules everything around me, dollar mm-hmm. dollar bill, yo. That's right, but, uh, Protect yeah, man. Your neck. <laughs> well, like you said, uh, the Wu Tang uh, virus is nothing to fuck with. It is not. It is not. I'm glad that I don't have the Wu-Tang virus, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm lucky. I, I live in the middle of nowhere. I wash my hands frequently. I, the only thing that has hit my house is house plants. Nothing can really get me sick. Uh, it's, but the thing is, I think what we need to do then is uh, when you tell these people to get involved, we have to give them a job. Otherwise, they'll just keep you know, oh, I, I, and that's the thing. I, I, and uh, once I feel better, I'm right now. I'm at seventy percent. Thank you to mm-hmm. everybody who has sent me emails that are not crazy, and uh, all the normal people that have replied to me, because mm-hmm. um, I will get back to them and I will work on it. But I'm still sweating my ass off. Like I, I don't know what's going on here. I, my strength is back today, so good. I'm feeling good there. But uh, yeah, it, this I haven't felt this bad since the Navy, dude. So yeah, is that because the Navy just had really bad food, or is it because you got sick in the Navy? Because a floating ship is a floating petri dish, and Ew. so when you have five thousand guys, some of them who don't wash their hands, Ew. you're bound to get sick. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds worse than those people that were stuck on the uh, the cruise ship with the coronavirus. Oh God, and people yeah. did get wretch. But uh, yeah, no. guest on this cruise ship, the coronavirus. Ew. <laughs> Ew. But I think as you get these people that want to come on, 
Uh, and then we could have our, our uh, Vishaji turn on because um, uh, it's it's a membership site. So like we can put that membership site back on and then they could, in theory, create uh, publications. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, I say that we make them do their own uh, roving reporter, like, you know, file a report with us. Go and ahead. Then if we like it, we'll upload it, you know, uh, something like that. But boy. Yeah, I got two uh, two good people in Ohio, and I got a good uh, wellness lady up there in uh, Chicago. Um, like I said, once I get healed better and can just have the ADD and, and just devote my time to editing, I Let, will. Uh, we will go over funnel building 101. And so yeah. first you make an offer, then they do something, and then you put them into something else where you ask them to do something else. Oh, and, yeah. and then they give you that back. And so, like, you know, first it would be and just uh, qualify them. You yeah. know, getting to sign up. Uh, that was uh, that was one of the things that I learned at, in startups. Um, very often, you could just give somebody a job and see if they do it. And if they yeah. do, great. Give them another job. If they don't do it, well, at least you gave them something to do. Yeah. So again, we'll 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 fund this out. We'll create a landing page so people can contribute if they want to, whatnot. But, right. Uh, um, everybody else, you don't have to send any more emails. We're good for right now. I appreciate everybody's uh, effort. They will. They will send more because uh, that's that's just how it's good. And then you already have that video that goes for the landing page. And I'll help you with that after March 16th when is when all my uh, my craft hard work will be done. So, like, yeah, the craft grows. I mean, like, I'm going to just be really, really tweaked from now until then. And then after that, I'm going to take a, take a pretty big step back and just be like, all right. Whew not doing that again, but, um, it's going pretty well. It's just that these applications are big and then you have so many different teams that you want to help and it's hard to keep track of everything and then stay on top of everything. And then you have this thing that uh, just glitched on us when I was, uh, before we went live. That's why we're a few minutes late because I had too many, uh, tabs open and yeah. Google Chrome was drinking it. But, uh, you know what good news is What's that, uh, we actually got, uh, our podcast, on something else. We're on iHeartRadio now. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So you can go to iHeartRadio if you have an account and uh, download Cannabis Legalization News Podcast and follow it on that. Um, so that's that's good news. One more step in the uh, building of the media empire for cannabis, right? So follow us if you'd like to have a nice sleep at night for our deep voices. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Hey, uh, but speaking of how the importance of what you're doing with your applications, man, did you see that Colorado... Uh, sold over 1.75 billion in cannabis last year yeah i guess that would make illinois probably about three times that because uh, if colorado is at 1.75 billion with approximately four to five million people and then illinois got about 13 million so yeah multiply that by three and you have uh, illinois market at, when it's mature in like five years so it might be a four billion dollar a year market which means that a lot of the, uh, the the pro formas that we're using on our applications are very conservative. But um, yeah, I mean, those things take time. And then that's the thing. I can't believe, I can't believe that people like this cannabis stuff. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the, the liking the cannabis stuff, but there's also the, the media influence, right? Like as we're getting our, our, I guess, fuck dude, uh, foot in the door. Uh, yeah. I can't, the fever, man. I got the whole fever thought. I can't think straight. Thought. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure your fever's related to sour diesel. Probably, <laughs> probably smoking on the job. It's more of a little cookie, but um, little cookie. I don't know. I've been I've been getting some strains out of Cali that have really funny names, but those those strain names aren't going to be able to make it in Illinois. I think because 
is that marketing to children? If you call your strain like, you know, cookies or, or cereal milk or like peanut butter and cookie or, or like peanut butter, yeah, peanut butter cookies or peanut butter cups. I mean, like all those types of uh, fruity um, candy flavor names. I don't know if they're going to have that in Illinois. Well, do you think is it that because Illinois culture is so uh, pompous and righteous that they're above? Uh, no, it's woke. It's not pompous. It's oh, woke. okay. But then it's um, it's also because of the uh, prohibitions against marketing to children. So is the name like cereal milk or fruity pebbles or something like that or cookies? Is that too close to to marketing to children? Should you have called that like, you know, um, you could have do, used it more as a pheno hunting? So it'd be like, no, that was whatever, whatever number fifty five. I mean, in the end, that's what all people are saying. Cannabis type will be right it will be a description of like a phenome type but mm -hmm. you know people it's always been a conversation people don't like you know green crack and names like that right so. well that's that's it and so i'm not sure how that's going to work but then there these restrictions against advertising i don't know if they are well that's the problem okay if they violate the first amendment so you're right for free speech okay so you want to have the first amendment protection but it's still illegal federally. So I'm not sure if you just like you can't get a copyright uh, or a trademark or a plant patent on uh, THC cannabis. I don't know if you'd be able to raise the free speech argument. Yeah, I, you know, this is the cannabis space is still one of the biggest uh, gray areas, I think, um, especially when it comes to like, say, the things I've done. All right. I had no intention to be media. But for some reason, uh, I'd be able to create a network where there's a platform of, uh, of people that mm -hmm. will listen to us. And uh, it kind of seems common sense to evolve that way, to, yeah. to, to embrace it instead of uh, you know, running away from it like I had been doing. Yeah, yeah, you got you to make sure you do that. But then also, yeah, when you make people offers, you have to think through what you're offering. <laughs> the offer is the byline, man. That's all that is. That's not even uh, uh, thing. But okay. the bylines, I think we should bring our guest on and talk about what he offers to his writers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of uh, marijuana in the media. Yeah. JJ, what's going on? Good afternoon. How are y'all? Great. Thanks for joining us, JJ. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I, I feel very honored to, to be with such three fun, smart people this afternoon. Oh, man. Your flattery will get you everywhere. Damn right. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the Fresh Toast? The Fresh Toast is a media content company that has two sides of our house. We produce the most content in the industry every week of cannabis, medical marijuana, and CBD. And then we run it on our site, The Fresh Toast, but we also syndicate it out to newspapers across the United States and Canada. And about 2 million people see, a little over 2 million people currently see our content every day. And then on the other side of the house, we are an exclusive training partner for the largest healthcare training system in the country. So we work with about 80% of practicing physicians and 900 other healthcare professionals on how to uh, have the conversation about medical marijuana. How's that going? Because like that is, that was one of the largest impediments to the adoption of medical patients besides the, uh, well, it took us like two and a half months back in 2017, the last administration was very anti-cannabis. And so they would make you wait after you applied to get your medical card for about three months. And that was after you'd find a doctor who would even make the recommendation. So 
how is that going? Because it was just amazing the amount of prejudice and like misinformation and the, the amount of no's that I had to hear before I could find a doctor that actually would make the recommendation. Well, you have to look at the bigger healthcare system. So when you, uh, the New England Journal of Medicine did a big study two years ago that said 70, that discovered 76% of physicians are open to medical marijuana and believes that there's quality science and that it can provide um, opportunities to help with symptoms, illnesses, and pain. The group that we work with, 800,000 physicians, 79% believe in that. Unfortunately, outside of Israel, there hasn't been a lot of long-term quality research. And when you look at our interstate system of how products are made, you don't have a consistency of product. So I can, and, and there's just a lot of loosey-goosiness in the industry. So I could say, go try X product today and it might have one effect, you may go try that same product a month from now, and it may have a different effect. And so doctors are very hesitant because there's not a consistency of product, it's not covered by malpractice, and it's not covered by insurance, both from the doctor side and from the patient side. When you deal with the doctors, are you also talking about and educating them on the endocannabinoid system and whatnot? We work through the whole system and we're, we give them we take them from kind of get to go on what to do. And we're very neutral about it. If there's not science that says, we say there isn't science that backs us up. We are not one of those people who say, oh my God, it cures cancer. That's not true. And by saying that, all it does is it pushes the medical community away. Yeah. But then it, it is difficult. I mean, you mentioned Israel. Because of the prohibition that we have at the federal level, it's also prohibition against research, especially research that's going to be done for medical purposes or benefits. I mean, if you're going to do research to find the harm of something, you might be able to get funding. So how do they, I mean, like, how can, can we get any good science in this country done on uh, medical cannabis? Well, there is good science being done, but science takes time. So last year, Pennsylvania opened up $15 million in uh, medical grants to universities and from Penn State down in Pennsylvania, they applied to begin doing research. There's research at the University of Washington, the University um, in Illinois, they're gonna start doing research. The federal research is done in one level, but on a statewide, they're doing great research. Hmm. Um, and unfortunately at the federal level, they use the weed from a farm in Mississippi, which you know I am from the South, but it's horrible weed and it's not, you know, um, it's not uh, medica medical study grade weed. But do we have good weed in the South? Besides Atlanta? Oh, you can get good weed everywhere. I mean, good heavens, we're the, we're the home good. of farming. Good, right. So, but, you know, Israel does an incredible amount of stuff and we're extrapolating that information here into the United States. Mm. Uh, you know, I think part of the, because uh, we've accepted marijuana as medicine, right? Everybody knows that cannabis is medicine but i think we are still fighting uh stigmas in the point that uh we don't know exactly every element but the the point my, my point being is dosage right uh we have these plant limits for patients we have these amount limits to be purchased especially in illinois so you can you have amount purchases it's like these there shouldn't be limits when it's medicine because i know some guys who are um, not physically able, and they take high doses of, of uh, uh, shatter, uh, 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 rosin, concentrates, and uh, they walk away fine. If I smoked what they smoked, I would be curled up in a ball and having a good night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, But you have to understand, you have to look at it from the consumer point of view. For the past 80 years, we're used to the pharmacy type of system 
where I go in and you hand me something and I take one, two, three, or four of it. And then over a period of time, I get better. I'm not used to having to think, what's my reaction to this? I know when I take ibuprofen, uh, NyQuil, I know the effect. It tells me what to do. And we just don't have that science to do that. And that's 95% of the population. They want to be, which is security. So until it's federally legal and you have regulations and you know when you open that bottle and you take two pills, you're going to get the same effect in Illinois or California or Mississippi. And that's yeah. true. That's really hard, though, because of genetics of this plant. So, I mean, it'd be it'd be easier if you were doing extracts and then like specific terpene profiles of it. But, for example, if there is a genetic and it's and it's the perfect genetics because it's it's a cookie cross that we got from uh, Burner and Cali and he flew it in. So we know that it's the exact genetics. Uh, once that's sold out, you know, you go to your store and the stuff that was there might not be there now uh, or who knows? And so I'm not sure how they're going to be able to make it in a replicable type of matter until it's um, completely federally legal. And then you're able to have the type of consistency of the genetics and the product availability. Uh, and you and you know that the bigger pharma companies, whether it's GW or Pfizer, are, are looking at, okay, what's our supply chain on this? Mm. You know, you look at any type of, you know, you look at opioids and all that, and they, they get a very clean system and they repackage it. And that's what will happen when it becomes better. And the moment it shows up on the shelf at CVS as a THC, you know, type of painkiller, all of a sudden you'll see a dramatic change in the industry. Is this network that you use to educate the doctors with? Is that like part of French toast? If I were to go to the website, is it on there? Or is there something other way to access it? So, um, no, we, the fresh toast are on a different, uh, we sit on their site and they deal. We are one of 32 divisions, oncology, radiology, neurology, so we're a medical medical marijuana. So they're they're nine years old. They deal with these people every day. We deal in one small area, but we're going to roll out another area at the beginning of next quarter around non-cannabis healthcare regulation and FDA rulings. So we add more value into that. That's going to be pretty exciting, though. You have a, uh, uh, just just to, to share that knowledge and to help educate. Do you get that feeling like the doctor walks away going, "I didn't know that." And we and we get lots of well we we get lots of feedback you know about what they want to see you know you look right now on the areas that's easiest to treat and that's something that they're willing to have conversations around mm. nausea, chemo, sleeping, chronic pain management things that are things that are non-invasive type of stuff where you can see a where a patient can relatively manage themselves into a better situation. Mm. It's pretty awesome, but it, it's going to take time and it's going to take that legislative change. Yeah. So, uh, oh, go ahead, see? I said I would agree. Yeah. So, go ahead, Tom. I was going to ask, like, when did you start the French? Uh, is That's not the French toast. <laughs> it's the fresh toast. Yeah. yeah I'm hungry. Well, we, toast is toast, right? French or fresh? Yeah. We launched at the end of 16, and we were the, one of the last major, or we were the last major media uh, company to launch in the space. And when we launched, there were five other companies launching. One launched and then closed shortly afterwards. Why is that? Um, well, if you want my opinion is uh, most everybody else in the industry is focused on the industry and not on the consumer. 
You look at, you know, you look at Mass Roots, which launched and never had a business plan. Mm. You look at Civilized, which launched and didn't really have a business plan and wanted to be the Vanity Fair before anybody was reading USA Today. <laughs> um, and then you had, you know, you had some mismanagement of others. But, you know, you, you know, Chicago, Cigar Aficionado isn't the most profitable media empire. You have to think about. Wait, let's let's talk about Cigar Aficionado being the most profitable media empire. Is yes, it's not because they created one of those rating systems where it's like, look, guys, here's what we're selling: it's wine or it's it's cigars, and we're going to rank them all, and then people will want to have the best, and they'll buy our stuff to uh, learn. So I was saying it's not one of the most profitable. Oh, oh. It's not one of the most profitable, but and so when you and you bring up a great thing, so with Robert Johnson from Wine Spectator, does a great job. The difference between a Robert Johnson and the cannabis industry is there is regulation, uh, interstate traffic. You know when you open a bottle of Clos de Bois or Rothschild or uh, Tattinger or Moet that it's going to be the same whether you buy it in Paris, New York, or Oklahoma. They can brand. They can brand. And so therefore, a Robert Johnson can say, if you if you buy a 99 Tad and J, it's going to be fabulous. Hmm. Whereas you can't say that with cannabis. True. But the but I, I, I've spent the last year and a half talking to the alcohol and restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. A much bigger voice in selling wine over Wine Spectator and Wine Enthusiast is the Today Show with Hoda and Kathy Lee. Yeah, yeah. So we need to get Hoda and Kathy sparking joints instead of having a wine at 10 in the morning. Wait, when do they start pouring wine? It's not even 10 in the morning, is no, it? Nine in the morning. Nine in the morning. Well, it's been a long day. <laughs> when you're up at three, it is a long day. Oh, that's true. I mean, that's not fair. They are up at three. But, yeah. but we like the reason we're different is we approach everything from the consumer. We're not trying to educate the consumer because the consumer doesn't want to be educated. We're showing them five quarters, five ways for a better night's sleep, three ways to make your lips look better, two, uh, five ways to have better sex. That people want to know about them. They don't care about so you. much, so right. much. And that's the way it is. Yeah, right that's now, why mirrors are, are. That's why mirrors will sell from now until forever. People will buy mirrors <laughs> so they can look at themselves in them. Yeah. Well, it, a little side note. Do you know what changed how women look into mirrors? No. The selfie. So prior to Dove did a big study on this. Prior to the selfie, women who felt who had body issues were were masters at looking at parts of their body in the mirror without looking at other parts. But the selfie made women suddenly look at themselves as a whole body and started a whole transformation of how women approach themselves. Oh, wow. Yeah, Miggy shared a great meme about uh, selfies, about how they used to take selfies in the 90s. Oh, yeah. kid in a mirror with like a payphone standing behind him. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to take a picture with a payphone. But uh, uh, JJ, besides the, the consumer part of things and also the uh, the medical part of things, you also have a, a, a correspondent coming up now, right? Yes, we we were the we're the first media company, a cannabis media company to be credentialed by a major, another major media partner. So this one's NBC, and we will be at the Las Vegas debate tonight. Wow. We have John Hudak, who is the senior fellow for Brookings for the presidency and for cannabis, who will be at the debate covering it live for us and live tweeting it for us in Vegas. 
in Vegas. Well, what's the line on the, the, the debate? Let's let's bet on the debate. How do we get a piece of the action? Like, you know, what's the what's the vig? Yeah. And, and you know, you get I you, you can bet on anything, you know. You can bet on anything, right? It's crazy. Uh, I got I got Bernie to place. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's how it works in a debate. Can you win place or show, right? Yeah. So JJ, what do you see as hot topics for consumers right now? Uh, you know, the consumers, you know, especially if you look at trends in California, consumers are slowly making their way into the market. They want to feel good. Uh, but there's these whole myths. So the number one seller consistently is flour. You know, number one way people get stoned is through smoking a joint or maybe doing a bong or a bowl. Number two, still vaping. Vaping, huge. And vaping for a variety of reasons. You can manage it. It hits you just like alcohol hits you. It's discreet. There's no smell. You can take it, you know, you can do things that doesn't make you look like a stoner. Yeah. Number three, tinctures and oils. Add it to something. It, it's familiar. You can manage it all. And then the last is edibles. Despite wow. all the conversation around edibles, it's still the least part of the industry. Well, what about the beverages? Nobody has those yet. Well, the be I put beverages and edibles together because it's the same thing. And until it's federally legal, and until you see an adoption by a Kroger, a Safeway, a Fairway, you're not going to see beverages, you know, taking over. Mm -hmm. What's your take on uh, celebrity brands there, JJ? I'm sorry? What's your take on uh, celebrity brands? Uh, well, it depends on who celebrity is. And so we give this piece of advice because we get, I get about 80 pitches every day. Oh, wow. On um, the celebrities doing this, and oh my god, this, and oh my god, I have the best. How viral this is! Yeah, and so what you really see is a perfect example is if you go into Walgreens or you go into a Dwayne Reed or a CDS and you go into the beauty perfume section, all the hot celebrity brands are things that millennials relate to. Mm -hmm. People don't relate to Willie Nelson. People don't relate to Bob Marley. Most millennials have never heard of Bob Marley. Um, they're buying things like Fairwinds and Magic Kitchen and all that sort of stuff. They're buying brands that relate to them. Now, if Justin Bieber or Lizzo came out with a brand, it would it would do really well. So think of it as shoes. You know, you don't, you know, not every celebrity uh, sports star has a shoe. It's a couple who really work it and who stay relevant with the audience that's shooting uh uh, sneakerheads. Right on. I, I know the CBD craze has just gone off the handles now. Huh. <laughs> when I when we launched in 2016, CBD was not a separate industry. It was an afterthought of cannabis. Now it's roaring and it's supposed to be as big. And I think down the road it will fall into the uh, supplemental sleep aids, vitamins market, and so forth like that. But we'll yeah. be a standalone industry, and no matter what happens, it will still generate billions of dollars every year. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, those uh, USDA regulations that are coming out next year are quite onerous on the CBD strains. I mean, it just basically wipes out that industry. And now everybody's going to have to start planting CBG or harvesting their flower unripe, which means that you just throw it into an extractor. And that's too bad because like the uh, the strains now are so great and powerful that they can get me too high. So I like to mix uh, like not a one to one, but some ratio of high grade CBD hemp flour that's grown organically outdoor and then some high quality uh, THC cannabis, which is typically grown indoor. And it's fascinating. It's just it's just great. And yeah. you know what most Americans do when they try to mix their intoxicant? Mm -mm. They add Coke or Sprite. Oh, yeah. 
So yeah. America, you have to understand the general, the consumer. Yeah. At the end of the day, doesn't understand it and doesn't want to have to worry about it. Yeah. You want to be crazy? You can do like um, whiskey and beer. That's a crazy mix. Oh my, a boiler maker. What are you? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> we have to understand we get this data every day and we're very lucky one of our, our largest investors from a major alcohol family but we get this information every day and if you look and listen to the consumer they'll tell you exactly what you want 238 million americans have one at least one drink a year mm. that should tell you something versus 40 plus million who do some type of weed over the course of the year. Well, yes, but think about the cultural acceptance of alcohol. I mean, they still are not airing anything on the Super Bowl that shows the efficacy of cannabis to help treat epilepsy. But uh, they will have Clydesdales delivering beer and they will have knights that are saying knee or whatever the heck they said, dilly dilly, to sell suds, you know? Correct. But Tom, look about what is the number one intoxicant brand in the United States today? I thought it was Budweiser. I was going to say. You're close, but that's number four. Okay. okay. Uh, Miller Coors? That's number two and three. Oh, no, I take that back. So the number one is Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors okay. Light, then Budweiser. And those four own 65% of the beer market. Wow. So. If anybody's going to, if at any point someone's drunk in the United States, the largest portion of them will have gotten drunk by a Budweiser. Or do, you Bud think, do you think maybe, JJ, the, the, the analytics aren't quite there for cannabis consumers because it is legal in the other rest of the states where they, no one's uh, monitoring black market deals or traditional market, as I like to call it? Well, what, what you're saying is, is once again, the, the analytics are there, but the consumer behavior is there right in front of us. Mm. You know, what does it say about people who want Bud Light? I want something that gets me buzzed, but not too terribly strong. I want something that um, tastes good and is relatively inexpensive. Yeah. So now let's look that into other categories of that. What's popular with high school or college and right out of college? Shots, fireball, all that. When yeah. that big thing, something powerful hits you off right out of that. We also know the first drink that you drink. Mm. Go, you drink it quicker than any other drink that you drink. Okay. So we know we like to get a little buzz right off the bat, and then we settle into the rest of it. Same thing that's going on. Now, what you're seeing in California is more people are having weed Monday, Tuesday, some Wednesday, and then going back to liquor later on in the week. So it's heavier. Uh, liquor is way more intoxicating. Yeah, but so, and it's fattening. So Monday, Tuesday, I could chill out with a, maybe a little, a couple of puffs. I'm relaxed. Wednesday, I'm starting to get antsy because I want to go do something. Thursday night, it's, you know, pool night or beer night or going to go watch a game. And then Friday night, state night. Saturday night, we're out with friends. And you kind of go into the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And eventually, alcohol, the alcohol industry will have a big effect on the cannabis industry. And that will get ingrained into that. And for the cannabis lifestyle, couldn't it also be Monday, Wednesday, Friday is an Indica day and Saturday, Sunday is the Sativa days? So um, that's like saying Monday, Wednesday, Friday is a red wine day, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is a rum day. I don't know. It seems way too regimented for me, Miggy. <laughs> yeah, so people don't think of it that way. Oh, I know. But it just seems to me sometimes we compare alcohol. I mean, even though like that's the main driving uh, mantra we've been throwing out there is uh, marijuana is safer than alcohol. You know, tax it, regulate it like alcohol. But we give that image that it's like alcohol, and it's not. 
you know, I, I mean, you do have your medicinal beer once in a while. But. 75% of the market, 75% of the market sees it as an intoxicant, just like beer or bourbon or vodka. Yeah. So as my mother would always say, wish in one hand, poop in the other, see which one gets filled first. Mm-hmm. Zoomer drive the market. And that's why we're so successful is because we follow that trail. How do you guys find writers over at Fresh Toast? Uh, well, we have an in-house editorial team we produce um, that produces stuff. And then we have freelancers. And we're always looking for good freelancers. It takes us about a month to break them into, uh, break them into our writing style. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the way we do it, if it won't appear in the Oklahomian or the Monroe Register, we're not going to run it. because you, you need a base rate. You need a benchmark. So I want you to pick whatever rag that you want to bench. Because Miggy did this uh, this this video asking for people to come on to our, our website, Cannabis Legalization News, and start writing. And a whole bunch of people started emailing me and him. In my defense. In my defense. I've been part of two websites that had really high traffic. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just trying to get a team together for consistent because that's what like when tom and i started this uh podcast uh i was like look all i know about youtube and the metrics is like if we're consistent and we just arrive at the same time every day people will follow us in that way and and then they can watch us whether it be now live or an hour from now because they know that we've had a show on at that time frame um i'm just trying to get people on to help me out and yeah i got our i raped my email by accident uh benchmarks (laughs) Yeah, Tom is right. You have to have a voice because yeah. people like to know what they're going to hear. Yeah. People go in, whether it's Fox News or CNN, they know what they're going to hear. Whether it's Hot in Cleveland or Game of Thrones, they know what to expect. When they mm-hmm. open up something and it's an evangelist here, it's a screed here, it's medical here, that throws people off and they don't like that. No, I think so we're a very consistent consumer voice um, and we've fired freelancers who can't get with the program and they'll they'll argue with me like but you don't understand we need to educate them we need to be out there training and i'm like yeah that's not our role and they're like well other people are doing it i'm like if you combine the entire rest of the industry their monthly traffic we do that same traffic in 11 days Hmm. there's a lesson there right because what what do we talk about again why do mirrors sell people are self-interested yeah. And, people, and people want to know what's going to, how it's affected them. People, you know, that's one of the big things that as we went into the last election and going into this election, Brookings did a big study. The majority of Americans want legal cannabis. They don't want it at the expense of sacrificing their thoughts on immigration, economics, healthcare, etc. That's what they're really worried about. They're not worried about whether they get weed because at the end of the day, if you really want weed, you can get it no matter whether you're in Mississippi, Alabama, or in the backwoods of California. That's right. I think it's though, you know, uh, one of the things, reasons why I've been doing this um, as far as uh, advocacy goes and activism has been the whole social justice aspect, right? The cannabis industry is the only freaking industry that has people like me who are dumb enough to spend their time uh, trying to fight for other people, like to, 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 to get out of jail. I mean, the, yeah, like the, the clemency. Uh, but, Rob Blagojevich is out of jail, but Lance Glor isn't. Yeah, but I really appreciate your perspective, JJ, on the whole business aspect and the, the consumer focus, because like you said, you go from preacher, which I, I guess I'll take that that caveat myself, because that's all I do is like free prisoners and, you know, help everybody. That's, that's one of the reasons why your yours says Miggy 420 cannabis activist since day one. Yeah. So but the direction, I think, is what your uh, website, your your 
brings. Do you have a, a physical uh, form of your, like a magazine that comes out at all? And I, I'm old school. I started reading a newspaper when I was eight. Well, wow. I'm an old school print person and we're not going to do print. Is that simply because the costs are just so much higher and then the return is just not there? It's, um, I, and I read, and, and, and to, be, to be transparent, I read two newspapers every day wherever I am. Hmm. Tomorrow in Chicago, I'll read the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune and probably the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, but you just reach so many more people through digital because there's so much sharing. And I, I appreciate the importance of advocacy in our industry. And we are working to um, help with that cause. But the biggest, so let me tell you, let me give you a couple of stories about where we are and about how the changing of Moore's. Gay rights were strong and had a huge advocates. The turning point of gay rights, Will and Grace, when people in the South invited that show into their home and laughed and said they're like me, and it took away the stigma. Hmm. And that is what began making a significant change because they weren't preached at rather than they all joined together in a conversation and laughed. Next big thing, y'all may be too young to remember Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah. the book. Too young. Remember that too book? young. Didn't that come out like three years ago? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 16, so I, I wasn't I wasn't aware of it at the time. Yeah, no. Do you know where that book sold the most per capita? Really? Utah. In the Southeast. In the Southeast. Oh. And at that point, I've talked to friends at all three major studios. When they got that data piece, they realized they could talk about S&M on morning TV. And if you remember at the time, right afterwards, they had the big thing going between Ellen and Matt Lauer. Mm -hmm. with, and they were showing all these and they got very little feedback, negative press on that. Because once again, invited it into my home, had some time to absorb it, and then it changed how I approached it. And that's our thing. We're, we're not trying to tell you what you should do, which never works. We're just saying, here's this information and here's how life can be better for you. Hmm. Yeah. But how do we get the acceptance for the cannabis culture of a major uh, network putting on a sitcom in prime time. Uh, I mean, cause like weeds or, or Netflix, I mean, usually when you see the cannabis culture aspect of it, it's not necessarily, they're just like me, they're criminals or they are, uh, you know, oh, just stupid, hippies. stupid hippies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's all evolution. Once again, we get 2 million people a day. Mm. We will be expanding out over the next few months uh, to more newspapers and more content. And so when we hit 4 million a day, then you'll be able to do this. But here's the thing is, is being gay is a lifestyle. There's not a show about beer drinkers. Mm -hmm. There's not a show I don't know, about- Did you ever see The Ranch on Netflix? Basically, all they do is drink beer. With Austin, yeah, yeah. it's always a it's always a sad thing. Rose yeah. Wine is huge on shows, but you know, there's not been a history of a show on beer. Sure. And when you look at the Food Networks and all the shows that have been successful, it's because it's been an oversized personality who could have been talking about anything, but they're supposed to talk about um, food. Anthony Bourdain, great locations. If they had had someone else, that show never would have gone off. True, or been successful. I should. Oh no, he was a poet for sure. Oh yeah. So, so we need somebody who's uh, a good 
presenter to uh, walk people through the cannabis industry and hope that that gets picked up on the Food Network. Yeah, but you also understand is to be successful as a TV show, it has to be three seasons. And it's not three seasons. You know, educating people on weed is not three seasons worth. Mm. No. Uh, JJ, do you plan to your guys' um, I mean, not all digital format, but on your uh, YouTube channel, uh, you guys haven't uh, done anything in uh, two years. Is there going to be more focus on the uh, video contents? Uh, there will be probably toward the end of the year. Oh, right on. We've been, we've been you know, digital is the least, um, is the most cost effective way to get our message out, and we've been growing it that way. Yes, it is. I tell you, uh, Google is the best advertisement that I never paid for. Well, you- and here- and here's the thing is, is we've been, which has been a big benefit for us. And so it's taken us two years to do this, uh, two and a half years to get to where we, to where we suddenly had huge growth and became a top in the industry. But we were consistent messaging, consistent number of stories every day. How many? Uh, we do a minimum of seven Monday through Friday every week. God damn. That for three years. Wow. Seven. Now you see, Miggy, that's why you need to have these benchmarks for when all these people, when you put out the next uh, cattle call, it's like, hey, uh, why don't you get featured on cannabis legalization news? Uh, and you get a, a crush of people. You'd be like, all right, well, I, do I have enough for seven? Is this branded enough for us? Let's see. They teach you to think like you're Krusty the Clown. And so it's it's just sure you're in entertainment, but it's all about the numbers. Oh no, but seven articles though. Again, that's why you need a team to help produce that content. Yeah, how big's your team? One guy doing that is not going to work out. No. <laughs> we do we do seven we do seven fresh pieces a day, uh, Monday through Friday, and then three on Saturday and three on Sunday. Uh, because the, and Google looks at that, and Google yeah. literally, and Google doesn't look at for a week. They'll look at it for six months to a year before they decide to move you to the next level of search. That's right. That's right. So it's a big, important issue there. Uh, we have a team, an in-house team of six that manages the whole company. And then we have another six to 10 freelancers that work with us that generate all this traffic every day. And then we have a couple of exclusives like Canada Blog that comes onto our site and then we syndicate it out across the country. Um, and so we work on that. But it's, it's really... It's, you know, Tom's right. It's, you have benchmarks, you have to follow, you can't change the rules. Um, We, um, Tribune, we had partnered with one of their newspapers for a year and a half. We were consistent performers. They had data on us for actually two years, data on us for two years before they decided to take us nationally. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's is that the reason it's called the fresh toast because it's all about this fresh content? Or is it because you just sparked a bull? Uh, we pick the fresh toast because it doesn't look like weed, and that makes people more comfortable. Oh, that makes sense. And I think that whole look yeah, like weed. Story. But I, I think that 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 is a evidence of the continued stigma, because like just the picture of weed makes people uncomfortable a little bit. So, Tom, do you drink? Oh yeah. So, what's your favorite drink? Oh, it depends on the uh, the occasion. Um, if I was just going to have like chili or something, I'd probably have beer. If I was going to have steak, I'd probably have wine. Uh, and then if I was going to, uh, after I'm done with all these applications on March 15th, and I'm finally free uh, for like two minutes before my phone rings, uh, I'll probably have a bourbon. So whenever you go to a party, do you lead with, hi, I'm a bourbon drinker? Oh, of course not. Uh, and yet... 
you're talking about stigmatization because you, everyone in the industry wants people to self-identify as a cannabis user, mm. but no one self-identifies as a, I'm a, hi, I smoke marble reds. No one does that. That's one portion of who you are. Mm -hmm. And people don't like to be reminded. Here's another perfect example. How many of you know social smokers? They only smoke when they drink or they're stressed and all that. Oh. They never buy a pack of cigarettes because it makes them look like they're a smoker. They instead bum, which is quite tacky, but they bum cigarettes because they don't really do it. I'm not really a smoker. It's just, I, I'm in the moment. Same That's how people feel in the cannabis industry right now is I enjoy it. But if I go out and buy a 20 pack of roll, then I'm committing to being a stoner. Do you think maybe the uh, years of prohibition helped contribute to that where you got one side of the mind saying, look, I need to tell everybody this is what I do and it's okay. I haven't destroyed the world. And then yet the other half saying, look, stay out of my business. I want to smoke on the weekends and not do anything. Um, that is part of our puritism, whether it's sex or whatever. But even in Europe, they don't self-define themselves. People in Europe can smoke a little weed. They'll drink a little wine. But people in Europe also don't go outside of Germany and, and uh, England. They tend not to go into excess. Hmm. Do hmm. you think that's because it's actually part of their uh, their raising process where it's not this taboo? Where it's like you stay away out of that until you're old enough and they might actually have wine with dinner when they're a teenager or it's just more ingrained in the Latin in the Latin based countries, Italy to Portugal. That's very much the case. They'll have, they'll let a 10 year old have just, you know, two tablespoons of wine and a glass of water. And by the time they're 18, they're used to it. That's why club admissions and France and Italy are so expensive is because people go in, they buy one drink and they dance all night. In the United States and England, we go in and the first thing most guys do when they're younger is they get around to shots and a drink and then they continue drinking until the evening's over. Mm -hmm. Or they puke, fall down, get thrown out of the club and hopefully catch a cab back to wherever they live. Right. Doesn't always so, happen that way. So, so you know, we have to, we can't look at the industry in a silo. We have to look at as in the spectrum of consumer behavior. No, that's a great perspective to think about. Well, if it drives two thirds of our economy, it makes sense to look at it through a lens of consumer behavior. Well, and as you said, 75% don't uh, care about the, uh, you know, the other aspect of the, the 75% of consumers. So therefore you have to appease to that part, right? Right. And the 25% of do are trying to figure it all out. And, you know, when we started, the two funniest things happened when we started the Fresh Toast is one is people would say, I feel uncomfortable helping my mom with her chemo with cannabis when we're watching a Snoop Dogg video because I feel unclean and I don't think it's the right medical setting. So we wanted to give people something where they could learn that would make them feel safe and secure as they were having really difficult conversations about pain and life-threatening illnesses, et cetera. So that's number one. Number two, and I think this is going to our pre-conversation, pre is when I started, all my girlfriends in LA were like, oh my God, I'm super excited you're going to talk about legalization because once it's legalized, all cannabis will be super organic and will be one with your soul and natural. Are all girls in LA like this? <laughs> <laughs> Friends in Beverly Hills and Brentwood were They're all just like super excited because they don't understand the journey and how important it's going to be without pesticides. And then as I begin to talk to growers, 
they all said the same thing. We're, we're an effing farmer. Yeah, we use pesticides. We can't afford to lose our crop. Yeah. You know, no matter who you are, whether you're um, in an indoor grow and you're fighting listeria or you're an outdoor grow and you're fighting other, you know, you're fighting real bugs, you know, you use something to make sure because your crop's your lifeline. Even organic foods use something for that because you can't afford it. Yeah. Hey, Lord. Anyway, it cracked me up and I couldn't help but laugh because I'm like, oh, my God. That is pretty funny. Yeah. JJ, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the fresh toast. Uh, where can we find and follow what you guys got going on? Uh, well, you can follow us tonight on Twitter at Get Fresh uh, Get Fresh Toast. <clears throat> Sweet. Yeah, Freshtoast.com, right? Yeah, and then the Freshtoast.com. If you scroll down, you can see all of our handles. And let me just say, y'all have been super fun. I love talking to y'all. Oh, thank, thank, thank you. you. You know, that's that's this is why we do that because, um, as you might not know, I I am in a cornfield. Um, there's there's your IG. Uh, but and so because I'm in a cornfield, I can't access uh, people that are in Chicago or Seattle or JJ. Where are you joining us from? Seattle. Also Seattle. All right. So I, I can't access them. So I had to figure out a way because, you know, I'd like to pay my bills, which was one of the reasons why I started this. So I had to bring the world to me and the Internet allowed me to do it. And where is your cornfield located? Uh, this is Peoria, Illinois. But then I also kind of live in Chicago now. And then. Next year, wherever I mean that—that's one of the things that we haven't shared. It looks like Alabama, and I'm not yes. looking forward to to going to Alabama and and hanging out and helping them legalize. But uh, as another state uh, goes and and legalizes, because I taught myself SEO really really well, I can create these websites so that as people are asking Google questions about how they can get in the industry, they find me. Oh, good for you. Well, Cannabis Congregation, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all Cannabis Legalization News. We'll see you on Sunday. See you Sunday, everyone.